You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans, and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Wednesday, day after the Pelicans fall to the Brooklyn Nets, 108-101 in overtime with a bit of a controversial ending due to the referees. That's things you never want to say on a podcast in an open here. We'll get into that, though, in a minute. It is now 13 in a row for the Pelicans that they've lost. There's a lot of good in this game, some bad too. We'll break down the the call at the end or the no call, the lack thereof, that sent this one to potentially overtime. And if the Pelicans should protest this one, a la the Houston Rockets. Then we're going to look at Drew Holiday. The rumors coming out today about him being on the trade block. David Griffin giving an interview with Fox Sports during the game to address that. Should we read a little too much into his comments? Yeah, I think we should. Then we'll touch on the game tonight, a back-to-back for the Pelicans as they travel up to Minnesota. This one maybe is going to be rough, but Minnesota might be without one of their key guys. I'll break it all down for you in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So it was a 108-101 loss for your New Orleans Pelicans in overtime, a game where they had a lot of energy, a lot of effort, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Neither team really got going offensively, and Brooklyn was just a little bit better in the extra period, winning overtime 15-8 that allowed them to get the victory and get out of town, sweeping the season series with New Orleans. This one, though, marred at the end by the referees, tied at 93 in this game. Brooklyn with the clock winding down. Spencer Dinwiddie with the ball on the right side of the three-point line up above the break. Launches a three with under four seconds left in the game. It's a shot clock violation, it looks like. He doesn't hit rim whatsoever, but the refs don't call it. And by not calling that shot clock violation, it's still a live ball. Pelicans get it and just kind of chuck up a last-second heave as the clock winds down and time expires. It sh- had it been called correctly, though, it would have been a shot clock violation, and New Orleans would have had possession of the ball, but the clock stopped with two and a half seconds left. They had a timeout, could have advanced the ball, at least an inbound play from the opponent side of the court. The goal you're trying to score on with two and a half seconds left is significantly better than, you know, not having that opportunity. They may not have scored on that possession at all. And it still might have gone to overtime and everything might have kind of shaken out exactly as it did. But New Orleans should have been given the opportunity for that. And it's a blown call by the referees because they didn't call a shot clock violation and just let it go. This is an unreviewable play because there's no call to review. Apparently, you can't review no calls. So the Pelicans end up going to overtime. They lose the game and that's that. But they should have had a chance to win it in regulation, though they didn't. Now, they could go full-on Houston Rockets and contest this with the league, but given that we saw the the reasoning why the Houston Rockets didn't get that loss to the Spurs overturned is they had other chances to try and win it. 
Well, New Orleans did. They also botched, you know, a two for one at the end of the game where their first action was just played pretty well defensively by the Nets, not even giving them the opportunity to have more time on the clock. And had they done that, they maybe would have had more time for that look. But they didn't. Went to overtime where all things were square. They could have gotten a win, and they just didn't. I don't think they're going to try and appeal this one. The NBA wouldn't even grant it if they did, so it's probably not worth it other than trying to send a message to the league. But seriously, what is it about refs and New Orleans sports teams? But New Orleans did well in this one enough. You know, if you were looking for some silver linings, this game had it. We saw a better defensive performance from the Pelicans than we've seen probably all year long. They held the Brooklyn Nets to 61 points through three quarters. How many times have they given up above that in the first half alone? Getting this one to 93 all going into overtime, it's pretty good on the defensive side for New Orleans. Now, Brooklyn didn't shoot particularly well. They were 11 of 39 from three. That's under 30%. They shot 42% from the field. So neither team really got going offensively. The Pelicans shot, by the way, 34% from the field and 28% from deep. So kind of even there. Uh, But, you know, they had their chances. But a lot of the reason that there was poor shooting like that is because it was good defense at times, at least down low for New Orleans. By the numbers in this one for the Pelicans, it was a rough night for Brandon Ingram, though he finished with 22 points on the night and really got going in the fourth quarter in overtime. He finished 7 of 23, 30%. One of five from deep, but he did get to the line nine times. But it took him a while to really kind of get going and start earning those calls. The Nets just wanted to pack the paint defensively in this one and not let the Pelicans get to the rim whatsoever. And it kind of worked. The Pelicans' three-point shot hasn't been falling recently on this game again they were 1 11 of 40 from deep and Brooklyn was content to let them kind of just drive into a wall of guys Drew Holiday struggled for a while from the rim and getting into the paint and scoring that way he was 9 of 28 from the field that's 32 percent and Brandon Ingram struggled as well but finally he started getting going getting some calls and was able to do a few really good things 22 points on the night 10 rebounds for him Drew Holiday struggled throughout the game, but really, again, got it going late as the Pelicans made a push to try and even this one up in the third quarter and really started leading the team by being aggressive, by driving. Again, not the best shooting night and struggled when he went into the paint against multiple defenders, but really was aggressive and the team kind of fed off his energy. Defensively, also outstanding at times in this game. Late in the fourth quarter, I forget exactly when it happened, he was forced to do a switch and then navigate navigates a screen and then stays on his man to force a jump ball situation and that's good defense you needed to see something like this maybe he's not that vocal leader that the team says they need but he is certainly a leader on the court with how he plays and in a game where the pelicans played with a lot of defensive energy it was led by drew holiday Derek Favors in this one hit his minute cap and didn't play in overtime. He finished with seven points, nine rebounds on the night, still kind of getting into form in the game. He wasn't the most effective, but he did have a couple of blocks, three of them on the night, and played some solid defense and got a very nice lob from Lonzo Ball in this one. Speaking of Lonzo Ball, you saw both good and bad from him, 10 points on the night, Eight rebounds, four assists. He was four of 13 shooting, one of five from deep, but that one three, oh man, cut the deficit late in the fourth quarter and gave New Orleans a chance to stay in the game, which they did. 
You saw him get out in the fast break and have two really nice buckets in transition coming from defense from Drew Holiday. That's the way you want to see him play. And when he's aggressive and drives, you can see he can actually do some things. He's just a little too scared to do it. And so there were times when he was out there and still left a lot to be desired. Jackson Hayes getting 30 minutes at center in this one, four of six from the field, four of seven from the line. 13 points on the night to go along with eight rebounds, five defensive boards. He needed that against a very big front court and a very good front court for the Brooklyn Nets in Jared Allen in DeAndre Jordan. He did well for a rookie. That's really all you can kind of ask from him in this one. He's set good screens all night. He's been doing that all year long, creating space for Drew Holiday, creating space for Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who we'll get to in just a minute. He was pretty awesome. He is growing before our eyes. He looks aggressive. There are times when you'd like him to shoot a jumper instead of deferring and passing the ball, which you saw in overtime, which you saw late in the fourth quarter. Left a little bit to be desired there, but overall, he's a rookie. He's growing. He's playing well. Things look very good for the big man. Josh Hart in this one, 5 of 14 shooting, 4 of 10 from deep. He hit his first four threes and then didn't make one, I think, the rest of the way. 14 points on the night for him. Nine rebounds. He just get, gets out there and hustles. There's no other way to put it. Kenrich Williams, the other hustle guy, did hustle. Six rebounds on the night, including two offensive, but just three points, one of eight shooting from the field, one of six from deep. He has not scored in double figures now for like eight straight games that he's played in, including a lot where it's like three or less. That's not good. That's got to change. Nicolo Melli, we don't even need to talk about. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is someone I want to highlight a little bit in this one. Nine points on the night. He and Jackson Hayes really got it going early for New Orleans, where the bench at one point outscored the starters 25-10. to 10. He finished four of seven on the night, one of four from deep, four rebounds, four assists. He looked good. He looked decisive. He looked not scared to shoot. When we see a lot of the guys on the team scared to shoot, scared to be aggressive, he is not that guy. At times he played pretty good defense, still a little bit lost on that side of the ball, but there is some chemistry developing between him and Jackson Hayes where on the right side of the basket he scored three times on this basic simple thing. Jackson Hayes sets a screen. He curls around the screen and when the big doesn't come out to kind of guard him on the perimeter and wants to take away the drive, he stops, pulls up, hits an open mid-range jumper. Three times he did that in the game. One, because of the screen that Jackson Hayes is setting really does create some separation between him and the guard that's defending him. And then the big sags down low, he recognizes that and takes the shot that's given to him by the defense. Very good to see from the rookie overall. Jared Allen, by the way, in this one for the Brooklyn Nets, blocking everything down low for a period of time. He had five, uh, six blocks on the night. It was a block party a little bit throughout the night. Brooklyn just had a little bit more. The Pelicans struggle in the clutch situations. They struggle in overtime. We've seen this. But they didn't turn the ball over a ton, just nine times. They got out in the fast break enough to try and run and try and score and did enough where you should feel a little bit better about what this team's doing. Brandon Ingram struggled. At one point, he was one of eight from the field. Because the defense was good, because he couldn't get you know calls, and then other guys kind of stepped up in his place. If the Pelicans shoot a little bit better, they win the game. Now, the same could be said for the Brooklyn Nets, but their defense is kind of what limited Brooklyn's, whereas I don't know if I felt that the, uh, the other way of this one, where Brooklyn's defense completely suffocated New Orleans. Yes, they did not 
get to the uh, the paint and at the rim and score like they'd like to because of that. But their outside shots weren't falling when I think they're a little bit better. There were times maybe you could have put in another shooter, a guy like each one more to space the court for them a little bit more, which I think is something the coaching staff needs to consider. You had lineups out there with Lonzo Ball and Kenrich Williams both out there and like no one else. And yeah, that, that offense just sucks. But when you're not doing that, this team looked okay. It gave me some hope that, you know, maybe you can put it together and grab some wins. Probably not enough to make the playoffs at this point, but at least not to be on a 13-game losing streak. So the the effort was there, but it wasn't enough. And it needs to be enough, and they need to do a little bit more to get those victories. Because at this point, when you're having a 13-game losing streak, moral victories don't mean anything. And they don't in this one. And it's unfortunate because you should have liked what you saw and just weren't able to enjoy it. And the Pelicans weren't able to get over the hump, which leads to something we talked about the other day, that it's trade season. And now we've got to look at that because there's some rumors coming out about Drew Holiday that we will touch on. And I'll give you a little bit more insight into, and you're going to want to stick around for this part coming up in the next segment. Before we get to that, though, today's show brought to you by Casper. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked on NFL slash locked on NFL and use the promo code. This is tricky. I know locked on NBA at checkout. There you go. Terms and conditions apply. And if you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On Sponsors over at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. All right, so some news on the trade front now that it's after December 15th and lots of people can now be traded after signing their free agent contracts this offseason. Guy who isn't newly signed but is now potentially somewhat on the trading block is Drew Holiday. And this comes from Mark Stein of the New York Times saying that while Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson are untouchable, Pelicans have no interest in trading J.J. Redick at this time. But everyone else, yeah, they're listening to offers potentially. And that means that uh, Drew Holiday is potentially someone that could be had. Now, it would take a whole big offer, he says, but they're at least, you know, open to exploring the idea. Immediately, basically right after this in the game, uh, David Griffin spoke on the broadcast to Jen Hale and basically tried to shoot down those rumors saying this is kind of how it goes at this time of year and because the Pelicans are bad, they're going to be sellers and said when he was with the Cavs because they had LeBron James, the media always labeled them as buyers and this is just to be expected. And when asked, are you actively trying to trade Drew Holiday? He said, basically, no, we're not. And I think he's telling the truth there and trying to straddle the line between telling the truth, but also not giving away kind of what is necessarily going on. And there's a distinction to be made here. You might not be calling other teams offering up Drew Holiday, but if another team calls you, are you immediately hanging up the phone or are you least listening to what they have to say? And I think that is what we have going on here. That, yeah, if you make the right offer and make a godfather offer, something he cannot say no to, then they would trade Drew Holiday. And I think that's kind of what's happening. It's going to take a lot. Look, there are not a ton of guys that I think are going to get moved big names at the trade deadline, and it's probably going to be a quiet trade deadline. Bradley Beal cannot be traded up at the trade deadline this year because of the extension he signed. He can be traded in the offseason and next season. That means Drew Holiday, if you can get him, that is a difference maker for a team. A guy who can go out and give you 20 plus points per game, but also give you first team all defense. 
That's a guy that can help you win a title more so than just a score or another one-dimensional player. Drew Holiday would make someone a title contender instantly, the right team, if he was added to them. And so I think a lot of teams are going to be calling and it's going to take a hell of an offer for them to really get that. So I don't know if it'll happen right away or if anything will happen at all because I, you know some of the offers I've seen and we'll discuss some of these tomorrow on the show, it's going to take more than just one young guy and one first-round pick, particularly a bad first-round pick at that, to probably get a deal done. But what I find most interesting is the Pelicans have kind of gone about things the right way this offseason. They've said all the right things too. If... Drew Holiday didn't want to be traded whatsoever. I don't even think the Pelicans would listen to offers. And I think this maybe means that Drew is open to being moved into maybe going to a contender and not having to sit through some of the rebuild that this team's going through. And, you know, 13 plus straight losses at this point. And I wonder if this losing and everything kind of going on around the team right now is actually getting to him. I'd be willing to bet it actually is, at least to a small extent. That's concerning that, you know, it's, it's like the Pelicans have broken him here. Maybe that's an extreme example of it and an over-exaggeration. But yeah, I think this has kind of finally gotten to him and maybe this just isn't what he wants. He's not going to do what Anthony Davis did and force his way out and kind of go all scorched earth and go about things like that. He'll go about things the right way, maybe saying, hey, yeah, you know, if you get the right offer, I'm cool with being moved. That's a significant development, I think, given where these two sides, Drew Holiday and the organization, have been. And, you know, if he said, you need to trade me right away, which I don't think is what's coming here, I'm sure the Pelicans would do it. They want to do what's right by him, uh, given that, you know, what he's given to the organization, too. And so I think that's a real significant step that we're maybe moving towards these two sides splitting. Maybe it's this offseason is much more likely than during the season, but it doesn't mean we're ruling it out during the season. And it seems like maybe Drew Holiday won't be finishing out the contract that he signed a couple years ago here in New Orleans. We don't know. There's still a long way to go, and I don't think a deal or no deal is imminent whatsoever. But certainly, we've seen some developments here. And no, while the Pelicans likely aren't actively trying to trade Drew Holiday, they're definitely not just hanging up on teams when they call about him. They might not be taking those offers seriously or even really considering it, But listening is a big first step, and Drew being open to being traded, I think, is a big first step that's going to maybe ultimately lead in these two sides going their separate ways. But hey, he's here now, and that means that he's going to be playing, and the Pelicans have a game tonight over in Minnesota. We'll touch on that coming up. But first, if you're looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn. BreakingTea makes sports t-shirts around team's passion moments, the draft, Big shots, big wins. These are great for all fans. Go to breakingtea.com slash locked on and then feel free to search the site for all the great shirts and fun sports gifts that they have. So we've gone a little long on this podcast, but it's a game day here for your New Orleans Pelicans. Is After that loss in overtime to the Brooklyn Nets, they immediately get to get on a plane, travel 2,000 miles up north to Minnesota, and play a game in less than 24 hours, where it's also going to be probably pretty cold there after we had like 80-degree weather here the other day in New Orleans. But the good news is, taking on the Timberwolves, who, by the way, are on a seven-game losing streak, so both teams, some sort of streak is going to end in this game tonight, whether it's a 
13-game losing streak or a seven-game losing streak. Oh, my God. Combined, these two teams have 20 straight losses. Uh, yeah, this one's not really on national TV or anything like that. But Carl Anthony Towns is listed as questionable. He's got a sprained left knee. He may or may not be playing in this one. We'll probably get an update later today. That's only going to be a good thing for New Orleans. Minnesota has gotten off to a sluggish start this year, uh, not getting above 500 for really any long stretch of time. This season so far, they are 10 and 15, 11th in the Western Conference. So a little bit better than New Orleans, but I wouldn't say a ton they're not great kind of at anything defensively they're in the bottom third in the league they're about average offensively but if you're losing Carl Anthony Towns who's averaging 26 and a half points per game 11 rebounds 12 rebounds and four assists that's a big loss they are also led by Andrew Wiggins who's kind of had a new rejuvenated season 25 points per game from him five rebounds three assists um, and not being the most efficient guy, but still significantly better than he's been. Uh, and can these, this team can get out and score a little bit at times. Uh, but they're going to have a rough go of it if they don't have their big man. And it's a shame that we don't have Anthony Davis in this one because he always used to light up Carl Anthony Towns. We need to try and keep that tradition going on. So I don't know what's going to happen in this game. Two teams riding losing streaks. So something's got to break here. Hopefully it's the Timberwolves and the Pelicans get off of the slide. They're on a four-game road trip right now that's going to carry them past Christmas Day. They're not going to be favored in another game if they're even favored in this one, which they're probably not, until after the new year, likely like December 8th, I think, is the next game where they maybe are going to be favored. You got to win this one. I don't want to call it a must win because like whatever at this point, but it kind of feels like a must win when you've lost 13 straight and this is a team you have a chance to beat. Now, if Towns plays, that's a different story. But let's just pretend he's not because we need some luck on our side and the basketball gods kind of owe it to New Orleans after that missed call by the refs in the game last night. We'll see. I'll be watching this one and, of course, recapping it for you all tomorrow. And that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening tomorrow. We'll talk some Drew Holiday trade scenarios. We'll recap whatever ends up happening in this game with the Timberwolves and the Pelicans. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.